Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. This is Dr. Ray's Rock and Retro Radio Review and Reunion. And Ray, I keep changing it every week, but uh, hey, variety is is good. And so, uh, greetings, Dr. Ray, our faithful companion. Hello, David. I just enjoy your alliteration. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a little delirious today, but we're back in 1967. And uh, boy, any year would be a better year than what we're having now. Um, so we're we're um, we're gonna take a break from it all, and it just uh, exponentially gets madder every year with the the, the doctor death 
in the White House. And um, but let's, um, let's deny it all for 45 minutes and um, enjoy the music and the times. And uh, Ray, um, that was Stevie Wonder in a song. I was surprised to find he co-wrote with his mother and for Motown uh, and the song, um, very catchy tune. It features his harmonica solo in the introductions. Um, a sitar actually <laughs> is used in there. And um, the last lyric uh, in the song is, you know, Stevie ain't going to leave her. Um, was an ad lib line by Wonder, and he liked to boast that that was that was a true story about his first love when he was about 16 years old. So he was no longer little Stevie Wonder; he was uh, um, adolescent Stevie Wonder in in 1966. <laughs> so Ray, kick us off. Well, 19 I'm sorry, 1967. <coughs> Excuse me, the summer love. What does that Absolutely. mean? Absolutely. Oh, it was an absolute culture, cultural treasure this year, David. Uh, all the norms, uh, the, you know, definitions of behavior were thrown out the window, and there was free love, free sex, and drugs were everywhere. I mean, I graduated from high school in June of 67, and by January of 67, we actually had a drug rehab right out here in middle America in an old house because, uh, you know, there were, there was just about anything you wanted. And we talked about the uh, episode Blue Boy from Dragnet in January of 1967. Oh, yeah. and, debuted and it set the stage because everything was focused on drugs and, um, oh. and free love and, you know, go against mommy and daddy. Don't trust anybody over 30. <laughs> and that summer came around and kids were traveling and the music is reflective in so many ways of the fact that we are here and we are going to break the rules. There are 475,000, can you imagine that number, 475,000 uh, in Vietnam. And it's, <laughs> the peaceniks, the whole uh, definition of a peacenik, what was a peacenik? I, I can remember my hair was down to my shoulders my first year of college. I had nobody I had to please uh, except myself. And I just was right in the, the middle of that. And we, we coalesced and parents were complaining all over the place because they just couldn't believe what they were seeing. And boys looked like girls and Sergeant Pepper's oh. Lonely Hearts Club band with the evolution of, of the Beatles. And instead of being four, uh, you know, mob tops who otherwise were well-dressed, now you were looking at wire rim glasses and, uh, you know, real hippies. They didn't know what, they didn't look any more like the Beatles than, the man in the moon, and there was an excitement in the air. There was also a reality base, and and the you know the division between younger and older uh, was just amazing. And <laughs> that division started at thirty, David. I don't know how you old you were. I was eighteen in sixty-seven. How old were you? I was ten. I was ten. But you must have watched all this with wonder. I'm assuming. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it sort of came home when. Uh... My brother went away to college with a short haircut and came home with hair down to his his uh, shoulders and uh, uh, created a, a, a firestorm in my family. Um, and 
you know, the second question was, which we never found out, he went to a school, New Paltz, SUNY New Paltz, that was uh, later, I found out, uh, the, the drug capital of, of SUNY schools in New York State. And uh, I don't know if he indulged. I don't know. I never got the details, but uh, sent alarm bells to our family. Like, uh, what is going on here? What is... <laughs> No, I mean, nobody had uh, long hair, but I guess it was um, the culture. It was the thing. Every um, A lot of barbers must have gone out of business in 1967. Well, they, they did. And on a continuum, I was just talking to one of my friends who was exactly my age, and if you take 66 to 70, and of course the year we're looking at is right smack in the middle of it, uh, when we started out, uh, Ozzie and Harriet was college in, in September of '66. Ozzie and Harriet was still on the television, that then ridiculous sitcom. And when we left in 1970 to jump past our year for a moment, we ended with Kent State, and the campuses oh. were shut down. And that's the period. And it's been said in many publications that no four-year college stretch has ever had so many changes as. The, the class of 70 and, and the, the, the tip of point or the launch point of, of that thing was of that event was, was the year 1967. Um, in fact, general culture was so out of sync with it that there were songs getting on the radio and Ryan Smith, our musicologist on the, my Sunday show that is now on hiatus as a result of the coronavirus. Um, he always says that, you know, many songs got on the radio that never would today. I mean, uh, they just the, the uh, general public was not in in sync with lyrics and and what was going on and um, amazing, amazing stories. Oh. Um, Fugitive was still riding high in the summary I was reading of the television at the time. So the Fugitive was still well up there in the ratings. Went on in '63, and of course, you know what happened that year. Of course, David was the grand finale of The Fugitive when they had the two-part uh, oh, conclusion yeah. in time judgment, which was misspelled, actually, and they oh. had to fix it. <laughs> oh. um, I, but Richard I, Kimball finally... I always up. remember, I always remember that night because it was... Uh, I, I, I had to see that. It was like... I, never, I didn't really watch The Fugitive in general, but of course... America was swept up, and I said, well, I have to watch this. And my father um, was very disappointed because he wanted to take me to see the Yankees baseball game that night. And for the first time, I said no. I was 10 years old. <laughs> and and he never got mad, but I could tell he was puzzled, disappointed, and um, uh, that I, I guess I had rebelled too. Uh, and, and he, he uh, you know, he was conservative, not an Archie Bunker type, but, you know, um, of course he didn't make me go to the game, but uh, it still as obviously sticks with me all these years that I chose the fugitive over a night out with my father. But um, there were other things going on. Um, I'll just randomly uh, check off some things that happened in the first half of uh, 67, uh, the Apollo 1 
um, fire, which uh, was um, uh, wound up killing three astronauts, and um, it was a real setback for the space program. And that was uh, a, a, a burning memory. Well, <laughs> poor choice of words there, but that was a <clears throat> indelible memory from January of that year. We had Ronald Reagan uh, get into politics, because, take the, off, the oath of office as governor of California. And, uh, uh, you know, God, we grew that day. Uh, although he looks like Einstein compared to what we have now, um, then we had the uh, um, Joseph Stalin's daughter uh, defected to the United States. I remember that being a big story and not knowing who Joseph Stalin was. TV networks covered it wall to wall. Big, important story. Um, And then, of course, demonstrations against the Vietnam War everywhere most notably New York and San Francisco. And Muhammad Ali refused military service um, and uh, lost his title, his boxing title, because of the Expo 67 opened in Montreal. And, um, oh, let's see, uh, uh, 25th Amendment, which we talk about a lot to get, what do you do when a president can't, Function and huh, we certainly have that. And then in June, this is another thing that uh, uh, I don't remember the details, but uh, uh, the Six Day War in um, uh, between Israel and Egypt was wall to wall TV for six days. And um, again, that seemed uh, a little uh, out of the reach of my understanding, but. Uh, uh, nevertheless, important news, and um, and then uh, Jane Mansfield uh, had an unfortunate accident. Right, I think you know oh, more Lord. about this than, than I do. Well, Poor Miss Jane. As a gay man, the, uh, as a gay man, there were only two uh, real starlets that I um, was taken with. One, of course, is Marilyn Monroe, who died in 1962 under mysterious circumstances, and the other was Jane Mansfield. And uh, she was in a, a Lincoln um, town car, or not a town car, Lincoln, uh, three, four town cars, uh, full-size Lincoln. And the um, it was a convertible. The driver was in the front seat. She was in the back seat. And the kids were, I believe there were three, were on the seat. And they were going through this area where um, they sprayed heavily for insects, and I don't know if you've ever seen that. I have because I grew up on a farm. I think it did in my lungs. But and it was absolutely a fog, David, like a thousand times of smoke in a bowling alley. I mean, it was times ten. And they went into this area where they, they couldn't see, and they ended up being hit by a truck, and, and Jane Mansfield was sadly decapitated. The children came out uh, unscathed because they were all asleep on the sea. So that was, um, I remember hearing that story, and it's a talk about having the creeps. That's just, what a way to go. Yeah, uh, certainly another indelible moment. Not a uh, not a great memory, but um, such are the things that make news. Um, 
So, Ray, uh, we have a lot to talk about, but I want to get to our second song. And this is a, a personal favorite of mine. Um, I like um, – this is um, by a group called the Young Rascals, and um, and it's sung. The lead singer is uh, a guy named Eddie Brigatti, and uh, he was uh, described by – I heard an interview with uh, uh, another member of the group, Felix Cavalieri, and I heard this on the American Gold show years ago, and it was just the funniest thing where uh, they were uh, they were talking about this this song coming up, and Felix Cavalieri, who's playing in the background, described the voice of Eddie Brigatti, and he said, "You know, we all wondered how somebody with such a filthy mouth could sing like an angel." But it, I, I, I just, uh, I thought this, this is one of my all-time favorite songs. It's very, uh, uh, how can I say, lush and um, very, uh, I don't know. I think it's a, it's a, it's a perfect wedding song. Uh, very soulful, um, and uh, the voice on this guy is, is amazing. So. Here we go from nineteen um from nineteen sixty seven and uh this is uh Eddie Bugatti and the young rascals. Uh how can I be sure? How can I be sure in a world that's changing how can I be sure where I stand with you Whenever I
wonderful song from uh, the Young Rascals, later known as the Rascals, when they weren't so young anymore. But it was a uh, uh, just just a wonderful song then, and 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 still today. And Ray, um, you uh, you said you had uh, what else was happening musically? You said you had a list of of the other top songs of the year. Yes, in just a moment I'll she'll get it. Um, this is also the uh, the year that Ralph Nader. I want to get into cars a little bit here while I'm looking. Ralph Nader oh, published yeah. at any speed. And do you know what car it took uh, dead aim at? Oh, my the, beloved Corvette. Not Corvette. Oh, Corvair. 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 Yeah, yeah. I, I always confuse. Hey, the purists are going to be coming. <laughs> yeah, with that that wonderful little car that I thought was so beautiful, and uh, he basically killed it, didn't he? He, he, he did. And, uh, he went out. And there were many things about the um, about the American automobile that he chose to just destroy. And of course, to fast forward to the end result, which is decades later, he found out, and I think this is pretty much the consensus that. Uh, the rear-engined uh, Corvair that so many people fell in love with, which is in competition with Ford's Falcon and um, uh, Chrysler's Barracuda, that just uh, celebrated its birthday uh, about a week ago. Mustang's birthday was uh, in 1964 as well. It's called the 64 and a half, registered as a 65. It was at the World's Fair, and I'm sure that you uh, must have seen it in one of your World's Fair visits they had a like a carousel of all of ford's cars um well remember that day me, not a not a not a not a indelible memory <laughs> but that's only because i i i mean I, I i knew a few cars but you know i rode the subways and took the buses and and walked in poor old yonkers we just weren't a car culture although i do remember here and there my father's cars impala from 62 and um, uh, my uncle's 57 Chevy, but I, I was a, a car illiterati for for the most part. Um, but uh, I do know the Mustang. I do like it. It's it's a it's a wonderful little powerful car, and it looks it just looks good, you know. I, I, I it's distinctive, wouldn't you say, Ray? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was uh, really an extension of the. <laughs> The Falcon and Ford Motor Company was, and Henry Ford were still in shock over the millions, mega millions that they had lost, even at that time, on the failed Edsel from the fall of 1957 when the 58 uh, model came out until uh, November of 1959 when the 60 Edsel, which never saw the calendar year, bit the dust. And uh, it it was a car that was, uh, you know, supposedly built by boardroom discussions and committee where car what happens when you build a car by committee it took all the statistics and everything and what people wanted and it went right down the tubes uh so when they decided to build the the mustang and propose it uh henry ford was using the f-word all over the place but he was very happy in the end when lee iacocca of all people had promoted the car and it came out as they say at the world's fair debuted actually they showed the first one in january but the formal debut was in June, which was unheard of, David, because 
um, they never bring cars out until the fall, and this was put out in the spring. By 67, the year we're focusing on, Chevrolet had the Camaro not only up and running, but it was uh, selling a lot of vehicles. And the muscle car industry by 67 was everywhere. I mean, whether you were driving a Barracuda, which was the had the poorest sales figures, or a Camaro, which was uh, beginning to catch up on Mustang, although it never would um, ever catch Mustang. It sold in a year and a half over a million vehicles, one car. And by 67, the Camaro was a big deal, the Chevrolet. And convertibles were everywhere. I mean, 65 was the peak of the convertible, but it was just such a thrill. And I have I have that information. I can quickly run down these songs because they kind of reflect culture of the time. Number 10, Jimmy Mack by Martha and the Vandellas. Actually, about a pro bowler, David. Jimmy Mack, when are you coming back? (laughs) He was always on on tour and had actually a a relationship with Martha from Martha and the Vandellas. I Never Loved a Man. I absolutely, absolutely loved to death. Number nine, Aretha Franklin. The Four Tops checks in with Bernadette. Number eight. Excuse me. Uh, I I hit a wrong button. <laughs> I hit another wrong button. I'm 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 falling. I was going to tell her all right. Falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> all right, take all right, under control by here. the four tops in number eight. Sweet soul music with Arthur Conley in number seven. This is my song by Petrula Clark downtown in nineteen and number six. The Western Union. Uh, Western Union, rather, by the Five Americas. And now is, Casey Kasem used to like to say, we're up where the air is rare. Number four, I think we're alone now, by Tommy James and the Shondells. That created Uh more of a hullabaloo. Are you familiar with that song? I think we're alone now. It's about making love. And (laughs) it Uh was all over the radio. And I was just laughing because I didn't know anybody um, of the older generation that uh, that I'm not part of either side of now, um, that didn't they caught the lyrics it was forever. They did eventually because they took it off some stations. I think well, you're we're alone now. Well, me, Ray, because I heard I've heard that song a hundred times and and my mind didn't go in the gutter. Uh, <laughs> That's why you're kidding. so much more successful than me. <laughs> Number three, a little bit of me, a little bit of you. By the monkeys Jane. was that the monkeys? <laughs> oh, monkeys another Tommy. Uh-huh. Okay. No, actually, the monkeys aren't on this list. This is this this is April seventeenth of sixty-seven, so they didn't mm-hmm. happen to be there. Um, the Turtles, one of my all-time top three songs ever. Happy together, and number oh. one, Nancy and Frank Sinatra with something stupid. <laughs> uh, it was also the year that. Do you know Nancy's number one song of all time from 1967? Uh, these boots. These boots are made for walking. They did, did walk too. I'll tell you. Yeah. I think they uh, they re- call that song. They they she refers to that song as as just boots, and uh, uh, I think that was her uh, her big hit, her one big hit, right? It was her, definitely her biggest hit. She had some others, one with Daddy, like the one we talked about. But, uh, yeah, that pretty made, yeah. Her, much, made her career. And uh, even the song itself had that, that rhythmic beat. You know, don't, don't cross me or I'll walk all over you. 
Uh, oh yeah. I remember a group of us on the quad in college singing that song. It was what I don't understand to tie it to today, though, David, is all the protesting against the, the uh, Vietnam War. We came together. Uh, basically, as kids, even if they weren't going to cross their parents, there were very few students who, in their heart of hearts, were not saying, this is very wrong. The voice, Mr. America, um, Walter Cronkite, was showing the body bags coming home, and it struck home. And when he finally said, and I'm paraphrasing, there's something terrible wrong here, people, America heard it. When I was in, in uh, world history, or American history, rather, in in 12th grade in 1966, only one kid raised his hand and disagreed with Lyndon Johnson's policy. If you were to throw that one year later in the year we're looking at, you'd probably have a riot. Uh, same thing with pot. We had a kid who said, marijuana, because this is 67 was the year on marijuana. I was supposed to go to Bard College, Mike, and that was the first college in January that had a raid, a hashish. I didn't even know what hashish was. I told what an ovation I was. But uh, they had a raid, and it was, I was worldwide. And my mother said, oh, dear Lord, we almost sent you there. <laughs> but, um, very, di- very different attitude toward marijuana than, than now. And it was called grass. My oh. co-host on, on Sunday mornings when we, when we go back on and when we were on, you know, he would hate that because it was, it's weed, you know, as you know, but not. But to be cool then, you had to say grass. And marijuana was inextricably bound in so much of this, this this mellow mood thing. And yet, you know, peace, love, rock and roll, long hair, nudity, a lot of nudity. And you know what was a fashion statement for women? I'm going to put you on the spot here. Hot pants. No. (laughs) No? You're off. No, it it was um, the miniskirt, the miniskirt, close. Yeah, and uh, it, the sm- smaller the better. I mean, if only guys had been <laughs> wearing uh, mini mini pants or instead of mini skirts. But that was, and then of course it, it evolved into the or devolved into the maxi, the granny skirt uh, or maxi skirt. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you see, as a good gay boy, I I just wasn't looking for that particularly. Cars and and women just, you know, well, you know. <laughs> I, I'm telling you. They, they just in my, uh, yeah, but it, it, this, uh, um, you know, and of course it gave me years of torment. Like, what is the matter with me? Why don't I like these things in, uh, you know, cars and women? And, um, this is the, <laughs> this is the conundrum of 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 uh, growing up gay in this country. Which, for everyone, uh, I have a book forthcoming on said subject, and I'm working diligently on it. And it is just a, 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 a I'm trying to make it as as inclusive and readable as possible. And and I'm, I'm Ray. It's almost like a, a psychological journey from from uh, here to there. And it's, it, it brings up stories and memories I, I hadn't thought about in, in forever. And it's, it's, it's kind of a unique book. It covers the law. We cover religion. We cover brain science. And all with the goal of saying, hey, what's, what's the big deal here? 
Um, <laughs> it's about, you know, hating gay people is about as logical as as hating bicycles, uh, bicycle riders. It, it just makes no sense. Um, so look for that on your Amazon list soon. And, and I still don't have a complete title, but uh, the book is, is faithfully on its way. And if I could just add a plug, please support A Thousand Moms in our mission. We have uh, uh, books um, about the brain and behavior and LGBTQ youth, as is the mission of A Thousand Moms. And you could visit, you can see all of these books and uh, perhaps purchase one or two. And they're available on Kindle for a ridiculously low price of 99 cents. But you can visit www.healingthebrainbooks.com, www.healingthebrainbooks.com. So I urge folks to uh, take a look um, and uh, give us some support. Well, so, Ray, I had to Let, had let to me get throw in a plug for you very quickly before we get to our next song. Um, your, your writing is fantastic. And I, this is from an English teacher, English professor, and department chair at a 10,000-student university. So I think I have some knowledge in that area. But people have asked me about your blue-chip curriculum, Vita. So in a sentence or two, because we're tight on time, Tell us about uh, your education. It just absolutely so impresses me. Oh, <laughs> well, I, uh, I, 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 you know, from there I went to uh, Hamilton College, uh, uh, one of the little Ivies up in state New York, and uh, wound up uh, working for Nobel laureates and uh, Pulitzer Prize winners at the Dana Foundation. And um, I'm just realizing what a um, – I, I got to uh, brush shoulders with some pretty pretty brainy people and uh, learn, uh, learn a lot of stuff, which is now um, uh, coming back to me, and um, I'm sharing this experience in, in, in the book. And um, very uh, um, very happy to do it. It's very fulfilling. And now with Amazon, you can do the whole kit and caboodle yourself. You can write it, you can design it, you can publish it, you can market it. Um, but it, it's convenient, but it's also hard. Because there, there are a lot of people doing the same things, and uh, the, the market for books is... Uh, flooded to say the least so you got to be really good and uh, so I hope people will check it out and uh, so Ray we need to get on to our we final get this song in here. <laughs> yeah and this is uh, the puzzle <laughs> of the uh, go world still uh, Bobby Gentry came up with this song and uh Basically, the question, why did Billy Joe McAllister jump off the Tallahatchie Bridge? Let's play it, and we'll come back and and discuss it. Hang on a second. Block Talk Radio is uh, 
not cooperating, and I can't believe they just deleted. Ah, oh, that is just so annoying. Um, right, it's just live radio. Yeah, I mean it, it's just tragic. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had such fits last night trying to um, um, get this song or these songs uploaded and Block Talk Radio is user friendly so we can't play it and I just am ticked off about that but we'll play it next week um, uh, uh, a great oh well oops. she's back okay let me try it again Ray okay That's so far away. Um, here we go. It was the third of June, another sleepy, dusty Delta day. I was out chopping cotton, and my brother was bailing hay. Back to the house to eat And mama hollered at the back door Y'all remember to wipe your feet And then she said I got some news this morning From Choctaw Ridge Today Billy Joe McAllister Jumped off the Tallahatchie Bridge Papa said to Mama as he passed around the black-eyed peas, Well, Billy Joe never had a lick of sense. Pass the biscuits, please. There's five more acres in the lower 40 I got to plow. And Mama said it was a shame about Billy Joe anyhow. Like nothing ever comes to no good up on Choctaw Ridge. And now Billy Joe McAllister jumped off the Tallahatchie Bridge. Brother said he recollected when he and Tom and Billy Joe put a frog down my back at the Carroll County Picture Show. Wasn't I talking to him at the church last Sunday night? I'll have another piece of apple pie. You know it don't seem right. I saw him at the sawmill yesterday on Choctaw Ridge. And now you tell me Billy Joe's jumped off the Tallahatchie Bridge. Mama said to me, child, what happened to your appetite? I've been cooking all morning and you haven't touched a single bite. That nice young preacher, Brother Taylor, dropped by today. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.